This week on the Koshcast. Who had the best January transfer window? How are Sheffield United doing this? Is Ancelotti actually doing anything? On a scale of 1 to 10, how incompetent are Barcelona? All these and many, many more questions answered. Join us. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is here. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. And Mohanad is here. Hey, how's it going? Good. No one's got any MBA to do tonight? I just finished. Very good. But no, Nope, not today. That's another day's problem. Night off. I love it. Good stuff. What are you up to? Uh, I'm in the terrible and exhausting um, and sickening process of, of looking at houses to purchase. No, that's not fun. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not fun. I, you know, you're supposed to be, when you grow up, you're supposed to be like all excited about, about you know, buying property yeah. and stuff. There's nothing exciting about it. Well, to be fair, I, I was never excited about buying property. I was excited about buying a car, maybe, but I was never <laughs> buy a house. <laughs> yeah, no, it's terrifying. But the anyway, car process is way more fun. I'd, I'd rather, much rather be buying football players. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Just make me a director of football. None of this. <laughs> not director of property. Anyway, um, right. What's, come, what's been going on? We're in the middle of the Premier League winter break, except that there are still games. And it's been extremely windy. Extremely windy. That, that got Manchester City and West Ham postponed, which is, I suppose, lucky for West Ham, except they're just delaying the inevitable pounding <laughs> that they're going to get from Manchester City. Um, but uh, what, what else happened? Sheffield United beat Bournemouth 2-1. Mohamed, uh, Sheffield United are an absolutely amazing story this season. Well, yeah, they're, you know, they, they were, <laughs> they came up from, um, from the championship this year and then everyone picked them to definitely go back down right away. But then they've just been killing it. Like they, you know, they've, they've played entertaining football. They're a lot of fun to watch. Um, their manager's been doing a great job. Um, he just got a contract extension, obviously, for, for how amazing he's been doing. Um, they're sitting in fifth. Surely with a game in hand, but at this point, no one cares. They're sitting in fifth, you know. This Premier League, we talked about how it's so all over the place and it's not actually representative of, like, your average season just by how bad a lot of teams are doing, Spurs, United, Arsenal, etc. But Sheffield have capitalized, man. Like, they're only two points away from, from Chelsea in fourth. So anything is possible. I mean, this could be their... Leicester season for them, but you know, instead of winning the Premier League, it would be top four. I was just going to make that point, and I was going to ask Bernie. You know, in the Leicester season, no one thought they would actually do it until it got to about what two months before the end. You know, like April time, uh, March time. Is it the same thing with with Sheffield United? Because no one's really talking about them finishing top four. Obviously, um, I think that I think if we use that direct analogy, they would have to have been in the top four by now for us to say that they're going to hold on to it, which is what Leicester were doing, being top and holding on to it. Um, That's a very th- good point. I think they do have a decent chance. I mean, as Mohan had said, everyone else is really, really trash. So um, they do have a good chance. But mm, do I think that – I think I would put more money on Spurs figuring it out to take over Chelsea than Sheffield United doing it. But, hey, they're going to get in the Europa League, I think, which is an achievement in itself. Yeah, that, it's still a while, fair. right? You still got like twelve games to go. Like they could drop horrendously into like you know fifteen. It's all possible. You've got a while, and you've got a wilder. But yeah. um, 
So in, in terms of the other teams that are trying to make up that, that gap, so I mean, we'll include Chelsea here. So in terms of Chelsea, United, Arsenal and Spurs, all of them were, if not more active, trying to be more active in the January transfer window than, than usually. Like usually these clubs kind of dismiss it, right? Um, of, of those teams, who do you guys think actually made some progress um, in terms of you know, people that brought in? Bernie, before I move on, uh, mm. you know, I don't, I don't want to miss a chance for a joke, but uh, I would say Chris Wilder is punching above his weight. <laughs> <sighs> it was worth it. Was worth it. <sighs> I, like, you know when you're exhausted by a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, wasn't Chelsea the one that like, got their ban on return to sign nobody? Yeah, although it wasn't for lack of trying, allegedly. Right, well... <laughs> Uh, Mohamed, you're spot on. Like, I, I, we, we mentioned this on the last pod. You fought so hard to get this. Like, they might as well have spent, like, wait, like just kept the lawyer fees until the summer. Like, I don't <laughs> understand. That's, that's a good point, too. Like, he spent all that money and then he didn't actually send anybody. Yeah, but, you know, uh, just as a human being, like, even if you don't want to do something necessarily, you want the option. Not having the option feels unfair. Well, yeah, because when you don't have the option, you want it. And then when you exactly. Have... No, I'm okay. Because you know when you're playing football manager, right? And you're like, okay, I, I've done deadline day on football manager where I haven't gotten the signings I want. And I go, I will sign anybody at this point. Like anybody. <laughs> Just because I can't let a window go by without signing anyone. And were I you, felt like that's what Chelsea had to do. Were you by any chance playing with Inter Milan? Uh, no, I was playing Manchester United and signing Igalo. That's what I was doing. <laughs> Mate, you were playing in, in, uh, as Arsenal in 2011 and ending up with Andre Santos and Yossi Benayoun. Oh, that and uh, and uh, and uh, what's his name? Choyun Park. Uh, what was his name? Oh, yeah. mate! Yeah. Unbelievable. We sponsored his like army. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So they, Chelsea tried and failed. Um, United did uh, make the Igalo signing. Did you guys make another one? Oh, a big one. He obviously Bruno Fernandez. Um, that big things. Yeah, big things for sure. That should be promising. It's just you need to really start building around them. Like we were talking, you know. Highly doubt Pogba will still be here next year, but if it is, and you get a you know a McTominay Pogba Bruno Fernandes, it's not on paper. Again, on paper, it's not bad. Um, Bernie, me and you were talking about maybe bringing Ramsey in and playing McTominay Ramsey Bruno Fernandes because Ramsey's available according to rumors, and you know he could be quite a close Pogba replacement even in stats. I I, I wanted uh, that's a brilliant point because for me, like McTominay's coming back to fitness. Pogba, maybe, if they get those three playing, maybe you can make a run a top four. We'll see, whatever. However, if you want to rebuild, just as you said, if you can sell Pogba for 120, let's say, go to Juventus and pick off Ramsey for 30 because he won't go for more than that. Then you have all this money you can reinvest, a bit like what Liverpool did, right? To sell Coutinho for big money and reinvest. That's a smart way to do it. But I support a stupid club. So <laughs> we know none of those things that we just talked about, which are very intelligent, will actually happen. I just, I, just, um, I kind of like the idea, although A, Ramsey's injury prone, B, he's what, 30 or nearing it, and, and C, I would be a bit worried about the defensive discipline of a McTominay-Ramsey-Bruno midfield in that the latter two want to go forward, right. not defensive midfielders. Unless Ramsey, and we've seen it before, unless Ramsey, as he nears 30, turns himself into more of an like, actual holding central midfielder, which I think would actually make some sense. Yeah, no, it's all possible. But um, yeah, I mean, looking at it, like United benefited the most, I'd say, out of this window, obviously, with the Bruno Fernandes, because he's probably the biggest January move 
um, in the Premier League. I can't think of who Spurs signed. Um, Bergwijn. Bergwijn. Yeah. And he scores already. Judson so Fernandes. Right, right. Yeah, like the January transfer window has been, you know, as usual, as we expected from January. Arsenal did sign a couple of smaller unknown players, um, Pablo, Maria, or whatever his name mm-hmm. um, is. Good-looking man. Oh, sure, yeah. All he the looks like Arteta. Giroud replacement. And who else did we sign? We signed one more guy. Suarez, Cedric Suarez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Inspirational, that one. Yeah, he's uh, he's nursing an injury, obviously. So. What what I really liked about the sorry, buddy, um, the the Pablo Mari signing is that if you watch the like, you know, the silly video that they do of like the guy's first day at the club, yeah. and they take him through all the social media videos and stuff, and they ask him to do this thing for a social media video in front of the green street, the green screen, and he's like, "Oh, this is a bit silly, isn't it?" And the guy filming it is like, "Yeah, it's a bit silly, but you know, we've got to do it." And I'm just like, "If you think it's silly and we think it's silly, why is it happening?" <laughs> Yeah, like, who are you doing it for if we yeah. it's silly? I yeah. mean, it's also it's 12 year olds on Twitter, right? Yeah, I guess so. So I was, I was ready um, uh, on your behalf to sack Edu <laughs> in this window <laughs> because it felt like he was the most pointless sporting director in world football because this Mari deal wasn't going to happen. So apparently he was on a plane and then they turned the plane back or some shit. And then, like, they did it. And then... No. He he showed up to England. We have a video of him at the airport in London. And then flew back out. And then they they tried to spin it like he was always supposed to go back. Oh, yeah? Then why did he arrive with 17 suitcases? (laughs) Also, I would be so pissed. You know how long that flight is? Having to do it twice in a week? And what was funny was like uh, some Brazilian newspaper actually released his WhatsApp messages. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like his teammate leaked it and it was all like oh good luck in england bro yes. all this stuff and the guy had to fly back so Unreal. i want to say that i'm just looking at a list of the january transfer window right now um i do want to talk about everything before we move on but just yep. while we while we're still on january here chelsea loaned out 10 players in january <laughs> wow 10 Nobody any any, any notable out. names yeah victor moses to inter milan is the biggest one and drink water to aston villa oh my right. god and then there's some, there's some other interesting signings, like Crystal Palace bringing in close to Dune isn't a bad signing. It, I mean, it is. Wait, wait, I mean, while we're, while we're on Chelsea, it, how do we feel about Giroud? Because I feel Giroud has been treated badly. By I Chelsea. agree. I think he was treated badly by Arsenal towards the end. I think he's been treated badly by Chelsea too. That said, he keeps not going places that he's going to play. Like, I don't really know why he joined Chelsea expecting to play and I don't really know why he wanted to join into Man- Milan expecting to play well to be fair to be fair I don't know why he chose to be French because I didn't expect him to play <laughs> so, you know sometimes it, sometimes it's just you make it I feel like there's this love affair with London and we've been, we've all been there a few times now and I wanted to get from you guys do you have that vibe of this place that you really don't because we know Ozil doesn't want to leave London like Ozil is, is going to be the new mayor of London. I'm sure of this at this point. <laughs> and, and Giroud, does, he wanted to go to Tottenham. Like, apparently. How much, how much is Giroud making? 150 a week, let's say? 120? Probably, probably let's call it something. 100, 120. Let's call it 120 pounds, a million pounds, uh, thousands. <laughs> so, if that is the number, you could live anywhere. Yeah. 
like, and we're not saying, you know, I, okay, I'm not going to name names because we don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but I'm not saying some obscure location on earth. We're talking Milan. We're talking, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Sending you to the ends of the earth either. I, I also, you know, he's 33, right? He's got what? Two more years, three more years. And it's I understand there are like kids Europe. involved and stuff and you have to take that into account. But like, you can go back to London in a couple of years, you know, go live somewhere else for like two and then you just come back. Yeah, honestly, it's insane. Um, but here's another one. Newcastle, the two, I think, not bad loan signings. Danny Rose. Um, sure. For their level. And Ben Taleb. You like that. Yeah. I do like that. But that's not even the Newcastle winter like story. <laughs> the best story was Babubakare Sumare. <laughs> <laughs> like so steve bruce like uh, the media asked him about a, a 45 million pound bid for some french player and he goes i won't tell you who it is they basically the journalists went basically found some sources who told them it was sumari and he's he actually said the club has been ambitious and tried to get this player but the player decided to stay i'm like no shit he decided to stay at lil it's fucking newcastle <laughs> <laughs> He, wanted, he decided to not be ambitious. Wasn't there like an Arab takeover rumor for a while? Yes, and so the Newcastle fans are split down the middle between people who want Ashley out at any cost and people who are like, I don't really want us to be run by the state of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's a tough choice to be fair. Um, here's a question. Remember Ki Sung Young? Yeah. yeah. He was released from Newcastle, just released. He has no club. Attention Toronto FC, attention Toronto FC. Uh, excuse me, we just signed Pablo Piatti. So like... Well, different down. roles, different calm roles. <laughs> I'm not saying designated player. Right? <laughs> well, he'll uh, go for military service soon anyway. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> what, is this how it works? I don't know. <laughs> oh, they bought, well, to be fair, uh, Tottenham also made the Celso permanent, right? That's a good move. Yeah, it's shit. I don't know. But that was always part of the plan. Like they made, they yeah. actually made, confused people to make it seem like a new signing. That must have been how anonymous he was the first half of the season. Well, no, what, what they did was they announced his <laughs> signing literally the same day that they announced Ericsson leaving. <laughs> it was just a bit of shade. Like they probably recycled the same graphics they used when they freaking announced him in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Everton. Um, Everton, mm. here's a Palace one. And they've been on a good run since Ancelotti took over. Not bad. He's got the Walcott um, firing a little bit with, I think, a goal and two assists in the last few games. He assisted beautifully for Bernard, who finished, you know, such a good goal this game. Um, but he got him playing a little bit. Um, Richarlison is, is doing well. Calvert-Lewin is killing it. Um, so, you know, he, I think it's weird. I don't know what Ancelotti is doing, but he's doing something where I think he's just kind of telling them to go out there and enjoy themselves a little bit. And they've been doing okay. Pickford has been shit, but whatever. Yep. In spite of that, they're, they're playing well. You know, the thing about Everton is it's very hard to judge, actually, how well Ancelotti is doing. Remember, Duncan Ferguson came in and they beat Chelsea 3-1. They drew with United, drew with Arsenal, actually ah. drew with Leicester in the quarterfinals, lost on penalties. Like, they were actually on a decent run of form compared to what they were doing before. And then they came in and they lost the city, lost Liverpool, and then beat the shitty teams under Ancelotti. So I'm like, I don't know whether Ancelotti is doing well or they just really hated Marco Silva. Like, I have no idea based on, because of Duncan Ferguson, what he did before that. So um, I, I don't really know where to place this right now. 
Yeah, it is tricky. Like the, I mean, the, the teams that they've beaten since the loss to Liverpool, 1-0 against Brighton. They drew uh, with West Ham. They drew with Everton. They beat... Drew with Newcastle. Uh, sorry, they are yes. Everton. Uh, so they are Everton every day. Uh, they do Newcastle. They beat Watford just about, and they from beat two nil down. So, they were two nil down that game. Yes. So they're still dodgy, and these teams aren't great. But coming up, they have Arsenal. They've got Manchester United. They've got Chelsea. They've got Liverpool. Alex. Uh, yeah. Speaking of coming up, can you pull up West Ham's future fixtures? Future fixtures, please. <laughs> Can you um, it, it, sa- it says West Ham do not have a future. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Oh, sorry, that was Bing. Let me try Google. Um, so they've got coming up uh, Liverpool, Southampton, Arsenal, Wolves, Tottenham, Chelsea, <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the city game that was postponed. Uh, so more to be sacked in a month or what? Chelsea, <laughs> they're going that, down. That end of that run is on the 4th of April. I think by then, this, the faith will be sealed. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have a manager who declared that Declan Rice is the best holding midfielder in the Premier League. So... Maybe he meant championship. <laughs> Maybe. I, I am 100% that he just is trying to attract Man United just to raise the fee. I, I'm sure that's all he's doing. And this I am is, going to riot. This is Moyes, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's that? Sorry, this is a very, very big segue, but I was like, like, just squeezing my brain. Who is the manager of PSG? Tuchel. Still? <laughs> I told you he would last longer than you thought. I honestly thought, I thought there was a huge thing, and he left, and I was like, who replaced him? No, and I man. couldn't think of it. No, okay. still there. Um, but but back back to Everton for a minute. But buddy, I thought your point about what Duncan Ferguson did was was good because Ancelotti. Uh, you know how he likes to take over and just like keep things ticking along? He hasn't changed the tactics. There's still the 4-4-2, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. He still like switches to, to three at the back, like halfway into the game. Nothing revolutionary going on there. I think like these players, I mean, to be fair, imagine being an Everton player and Carlo Ancelotti walks through the door. Like you are going to have a honeymoon period. But the funny, the funny thing is Duncan Ferguson is still the assistant. Yeah. And literally when they brought him in, like when Ancelotti announced him as assistant, they literally said to keep the desire and passion of Everton going, which we all know Duncan <laughs> Ferguson was a passion merchant manager <laughs> to begin with. So that was really funny. Yeah. But I just want to add, C.O. Walcott said something really interesting, which you'll see the parallel in a second. He said that Ancelotti motivated him to get better because he said to him, Theo, you're allowed to score goals. You know that, right? <laughs> I thought, is this like the Mourinho when he said to Delhi, like, is that your brother playing or whatever? Like, <laughs> like what is this nonsense or this nonchalant like, things managers say motivates players? Like, seems what? like sarcasm is the way to go. Um, I mean, Wenger told him for years he was a striker. That didn't seem to work. Because <laughs> he told him directly. <laughs> I feel like just we should move on, but just the whole Ancelotti thing, just to give him something, is that Ferguson had a lot of that new manager bounce go for mm-hmm. him, that passion and that like not Silva go for him. So you know how tactically viable it was, blah blah blah. And I know what you're saying it's continuing of the same, but I feel if you had to pick which is harder, I would say continuing and keeping um, consistency would be harder than getting you know two three results with the new manager bounce. I feel like Ferguson staying there would not have potentially 
kept him going or at least you know at the same level i just i just yeah. have to do something to keep him going a little bit. I, I think that's that's totally fair and if you have a chance to get angelotti as much as i don't think he's necessarily the right fit long term then you try it um but yeah let's see how they do in the next four games that are much harder and then we can we can make an assessment but, but we do have i do have to ask one more everton related question mm. and that is which team was dumber barcelona for offering 85 million for richarlison or everton for saying no everton for saying no Disagree a hundred percent, Mahane. Do you go go? I, well, what, look, look. When one person makes the first mistake, if you don't capitalize on it, you're more of an idiot. So I understand how bad both situations are, but someone handed you eighty-five million or whatever, hundred or whatever, and you said no. So I'm sorry. No matter how stupid the first move is, the second move is worse. Can I explain to you why? Okay. On the one hand, like Richarlison is a very good player. He can play up front. He can play on the left. Uh, Barcelona don't have someone who's like, who has his athleticism up front, who can head a ball like him. Like they're missing that physical presence. So, and he's very young. So I don't think it's that outrageous a signing. But the main point about why it wasn't dumb for Everton to turn it down is because they cannot buy players. They're so bad at buying players that he's the only one that's actually worked out. Like they bought Iwobi for 40 million. They bought Moise Ken, who I, you know, might turn out good. Andre Gomes, uh, Jean Philippe Gambin for 27 million. <laughs> Fabian Delph, Jibril Sidibe is done all right, sure. Uh, Mohamed Besic. Like they, they, can't, they can't be trusted to spend money. And I think they've worked that out. They're like, what are we going to do? Yannick Balassi is on loan at Sporting Lisbon. Like, what, you know, it's bonkers. I I I think the idiot in all this is Richardson for signing that new contract. Like, like, I don't know why he felt he needed to do that. Like, clearly Barcelona are idiotic enough to go for him, so he should have hedged his bets. Here's here's another way of putting it in perspective. Madrid buys two unknowns from Brazil for fifty million each. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that makes a Charles uh, Richardson. Yeah. So. If you think about it, you pay 100 for Charleston and he's way more known, way more established. You're probably going to sell him for way more in the future if he turns out he is a young Brazilian guy. Same thing. So, you know, it's not insane. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. But I'm very happy it didn't happen only because we don't need another stupid transfer to blow up this market. Like, we just don't. 85 million for a short. We all know he's not worth that. And we all knew... Like that Neymar, Coutinho, Usman Dembele. Usman Dembele went for 110 million, guys. Like, we don't need any of any more of this nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, can we use this to transition to Barcelona? Because oh, if we're talking about teams that don't know how to spend money, like, these guys take the cake. Well, yeah, who, when was their last good signing? I mean, people would probably think it was Neymar, like, back in God knows when. I think it was Neymar or Tersturgen, whenever they got either one of them. I think Neymar was... Uh... Were they same time? Let's see. Remember, actually. Ter Stegen. When did that guy join? He joined Barcelona in 2014. Oh, my God. He's yeah, been there yeah. forever. No, well, yeah, he's, and he's, you know, that, that, was, that was an unbelievable signing for how, how he turned out. When was Neymar? Uh, it feels like, like 2013 or so. Like, I feel like it was. Let me see. I'm pulling up Barcelona's. Uh... Yeah, Alex, talk while we do this. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona are in shambles. Eric Abadal uh, has been reprimanded by Messi publicly on the internet. Um, they didn't sack Abadal immediately, which is 
relatively surprising. Apparently, uh, Bartomeu got everyone in a room and, and talked it all out. But uh, Messi doesn't trust the board, and I think that's totally fair because the board have shown themselves to be completely, utterly incompetent. Um, that obviously meant that everyone talked about the fact that he has a clause that allows him to leave the club every season for free if he doesn't like the direction it's going. But I just hello, hello. imagine that happening. Like he, it would cost a club like 120 million a year or something to actually get him. So, well, I mean, looking at Barcelona's recent signings, they were worse in the past. So, like, you'd have to argue Griezmann on paper. This is all on paper. Griezmann and De Jong are two very good signings in 1920. That's fair. So, okay, these are fair. And then, the, and then, uh, Ansu Fati's Barcelona under 19. And then the other one from 1819 was Artur. But their failures were Malcolm, um, Vidal is whatever, he, he's a stopgap. But again, 20 million is quite high. But Artur should be a good signing for them if they use him correctly. Then it starts to get really shit. Then you've got the Coutinho signing for 160 million, the Dembele signing for 140 million, Paulinho for 45, Semedo for 40, you know, Delofeo for 15, Yeremina for 13. Some bad signings. You got Andre Gomes for 40, Alcacer for 33, Lucadinha for 20. Like, Alcacer for 33. So, so let's let's use this as a way to interview. Arda to run for 40. <laughs> and now he's a crim- one criminal. <laughs> Remember that they it, signed him it, and it they couldn't bring up a list. Oh, hey, Roche. Welcome back. <laughs> hey. Yeah, no, I caught the last end of that. I was impressed with Mohanad's knowledge. I was wondering if he was reading off a list or just by memory. No, I've memorized Barcelona signing for the last five years. <laughs> I'm glad Roche is here because I have to sign out. So I will hand over the baton to Roche. And the, the trio can continue. What a um, betrayal. Rishé, we were talking about Barcelona's failures in the transfer market for the last few seasons, um, as you heard about the list. But yeah, we were just talking about how <laughs> they're not the best in the market recently. And even Griezmann is starting to look like it might be a flop if they don't use him correctly. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, if I had to add anything to Barcelona's transfer market strategy, I don't think they've, well, in recent history, being the last like 10, 15 years, I don't think they have actually been that good in the transfer market. I think that most of the talent that they had was developed through La Masia, if you think about it. You know, you had the Busquets, you had the Iniesta, you had the Xavis. Um, I, I think that was like, that was the core of that Barcelona team. You put that, those three in any team, they'd be the best team in the world. So. I mean, I remember this team signed Zlatan for 40 million plus Eto. That was a terrible transfer. It didn't even work out for more than one season. And there have been numerous yeah. other terrible transfers that you just recited. I think. Yeah, they're. Go ahead. Sorry, Mo. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mo. No, I was just going to say that there. It's good to point out that their golden, golden years all came from, you know, not really from signings. You know, you had Messi, Iniesta, Jaffe, Pique, uh, Valdez, that kind of thing. Only Danny Alves was, was a signing, really, if, if I'm thinking back correctly to that team. But yeah, um, they had the Henri's and Etos and Ronaldinho's, but you know, Ronaldinho came as a youngster from PSG. So um, yeah, you're right to point out that their heyday, their prime, was not really based on good signings or good um, transfer market um, work, you know? And I think that even even on top of that, like they have had some successes. Like I think we, I think fairly, you know, we can say Neymar was a successful signing. Um, <clears throat> of course, Luis Suarez, um, you know, one one of their best strikers of all time. But I, the thing is, if you look at teams like, for example, Bayern Munich, who have sustained themselves with good signings over time, Juventus who've reinvented themselves with a good transfer policy over time, as 
they've had some stratospherically good signings and most of them are trash. But Barcelona's problem is, and what the other teams who are good don't have, is that they're propped up by one man. And that one man is Lionel Messi. And Messi is the most powerful person in world football right now. Because literally, he can crumble this, he can crush this football club by himself. Which is actually why I don't believe he will ever exercise uh, that clause in his contract to leave. Because I think even he knows if he walks away from this, it becomes this almighty shit show that we all know it is. Right. Other people, to be fair, have also pointed out that, you know, when you actually look into how much money Messi's making, it, like, it does boil down to something like a million a week. Like, it's that crazy once you, you know, take away the taxes that Barcelona are paying and you put in endorsements and you put in this and you put in performances and all that. People are like, it cuts really high a week. Like, he's making a lot of money that no one else can match. But there's also, I mean, if you, if you, I mean, Bernie just pointed out the Bayerns and the Juventuses, they've made a lot of signings and they've been super sustainable. But Barcelona haven't been as sustainable with their signings. Yeah, Messi is a big factor over there. You know, it's, it's about who can play with Messi and who Messi likes. And those people are the ones who survive at the club. But also, I think that Barcelona have a problem a little bit off the field and maybe with the culture around the club as well. So, um, it, it seems like it's more difficult for players to settle into Barcelona. They have to assimilate, A, to Lionel Messi's needs, and B, mm-hmm. to the politics of the club. And it's really hard to gauge exactly what that is. I, I mean, I can't explain. Maybe you guys have better insight. No, no, that's, that's fair. That's, that's a pretty good point. I think I think you doesn't need any more explanation. Yeah, they need to assimilate quite a bit into Barcelona, which is kind of a... It's different in the sense that it's it's a one of a kind kind of club where you have to really be part of it or not part of it at all. There's no middle ground. Like you're either all in or you're not, and that's why a lot of people have failed. Like like the Ebra that you talked about, you know. So, but um, I think I think in addition, the other problem that these guys have is, and you know, I think that if we talk about someone like Rakitic, for example, I think there were two phases to Rakitic. That was, you know, good Rakitic and bad Rakitic. There's been no in between, and with with someone like like him. And let's say Umtiti, they want these guys to leave because they actually have every intention of doing the smart thing of selling these assets, you know, to stupid clubs like Manchester United, for instance, who will pay 50 million for one of them <laughs> and then reinvest that money. But these guys, it's a little bit like uh, the London boys. So, Roche, I said that Ozil's going to be the mayor of London because he never wants to leave. It's a bit like <laughs> that where these guys, their lives are just so comfortable in Barcelona that they just don't want to leave and the club have nothing they can do about that. No, I but- mean, let me ask you one question, Bernie. Um, you know, the Kosh boys took a trip to Barcelona in April of 2016. And I mean, let me ask you this. And let Mohanad as well. Did you guys want to leave after three days in Barcelona? No. There we go. So imagine spending anything more than three days and playing for playing for Barcelona day in day out. Must I, be nice. I actually did because I I didn't like the English tourists who were there messing up <laughs> like wow. my time. But I I, I preferred uh, Rome to keep, Barcelona. Keep keep in mind as well that this we, we're talking about. You know, it seems a lot recently that transfers for first of all they're they're. Um, overpriced players are overpriced they're giving contracts way above their value so what happens is when you're showing any kind of promise a big contract is offered right away by another club and you take it now whether you live up to that promise or not unfortunately a lot of people don't live up to the promise or at least the promise relative to their wage package therefore you can't get rid of them 
and the players know that now that you've been not found out, but you know your true level or your true worth has been realized, no one's gonna give you that same wage again. No one's gonna give Rakitic the wages on. No one's, you know what I mean? So that's why it's very hard to sell players. The only way you're gonna get that same wage again is if you run down your contract and they don't have to pay a fee for you, then you go, you know what? You're not worth it, but I'm going to give it to you because I'm not paying 50 million to buy you. Well, well let's look at the example of that and the incompetence of Barcelona at the same time. There was no world in which Usman Dembele was ever going to live up to his, like, his potential and the 110 million. And then just now, they, I've never even seen this guy play, but they let go of Carlos Perez to Roma. And then the, I think the management of Barcelona came out and said, well, if we knew that Dembele was going to be injured again, we wouldn't have let Perez go. What? Dembele was just injured. Like, he's been injured his whole life. Like, I don't understand how you didn't factor that in and then made a stupid statement like that. I don't know. Yeah. The club's a disgrace, honestly. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, we'll see. They've, uh, they've just been kicked out of the uh, Spanish Cup. Then they lost, same as Madrid. So it's the first time I think in something like 12 years where either Barcelona or Madrid uh, make it far in the cup. Um, I think um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's unprecedented in, in, in recent history. Um, Madrid are playing well in the league, though, compared to Barcelona. Barcelona scraped the 3-2 win last game. And again, very lucky Longley with, with the winning goal from, a, I think it was a set piece. So yeah, just like we said, um, Barca, Barca and the league are, are faltering a little bit. I think they're three points behind Madrid, um, even though they started the season. Well, they started strong, but also Madrid started um, really poorly. But as Zidane usually does, he has them uh, has them climbing back. And now, let me see the table. We've got yeah, Madrid three points ahead of Barcelona. Um, <clears throat> so it's you know it's a it's a tight race for La Liga this year. And it'll be interesting to see if Barcelona are going to let go of their earlier lead and, and concede to Madrid this season. Madrid are playing well. So. Yeah, I think there was a very close game with Barcelona this weekend, in which they had to make a comeback, and they came to win a very, very close game, 3-2, yeah. while Madrid actually dominated Osasuna. They, they won comfortably 4-1, and I think Benzema was a star man. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Marca Magazine is having a field day behind the scenes with the Abidal-Messi drama and... Uh, you know, getting knocked out of the Spanish Cup. Um, I mean, you know, in Spain, like if, if there's not a good result from week to week, it's always do uh, it's always death. Yeah, do so. <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, actually, I, I wanted to ask because because we were we were talking about you know Barcelona. It's been one of the best football teams on the planet in the last decade or so, and you know we were talking about how they have problems, you know, on, maybe on and off the field. And I was just thinking to myself, what is the perfect football club, the ideal, the model club in today's, in today's football game? Are all, clubs, you know, are all clubs flawed or is there a perfect club? Does any club come to mind? Well, I mean, it depends. You have to think about, is, is, are trophies involved or just how the club is run? Because if trophies are involved, then you've got the big guys and they're all flawed, obviously. Um, you know, who, who are you going to, I mean, maybe Bayern potentially just, the way they run things, the way their signings are, and they sign young players, and et cetera, et cetera. But they also like they also snatch people up from from their league because they're super strong. So that's not the most you know holy either. You know, I I I I was gonna say Bayern. Um, I think Bayern are the best run club in world football because Bayern is a business, and Bayern is a football club at the exact same time. Some football clubs like Manchester United focus on the business side more so. Bayern Munich have that, like they're super profitable, right? They're self-sustaining, but they're able to attract, if they want to spend 100 mil, they can. They just 
they just decide to do things differently. And they're always there, thereabouts uh, in the league. And, you know, you, you can never say they're not a contender for Champions League. They're always bubbling there and they're around. So, for me, Bayern Munich is the perfect football club. You could have said... Say, I would say if the last, let's say, the last five years were consistently held by Liverpool for the next 20 years, then they would be the best front club. Yeah, I, 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 take my, I take my answer over the course of, let's say, like our entire time yeah. watching football. So that's as, why I'm as, saying as, Liverpool, as yeah. Bayern, Bayern in the past, but if Liverpool continue what they're doing, which is impossible, but let's say they do it for another 10 years, then that would be the best 15-year period by, you know, as a club run by anybody. Yep. That's an interesting question because now you're talking about teams that haven't really won that many trophies. Whereas teams that are winning consistent trophies. Well, well, Roche, so you know what we could have said? If we had said in the history of our lives, you could easily say Man United under Ferguson. However, the actual problem and why it's not that well-run a club is because it folded after he left, right? So it was dependent on yeah. one person. A club like Bayern Munich is not and has never been dependent on one person. For the 30 That's years that we've been on this earth, it's been run as a competent structure. Right. Yeah. So that's why I, I particularly choose that. Okay. Let's um let's move on and end in Italy, um where there was a very very exciting uh, um week. Uh, Juventus were playing I think Verona if I'm not mistaken. Um Ronaldo scored a brilliant counter attacking goal, kind of showing at the age of 35 I believe is he? Yep. 35. Uh, still able to run the length of the field, keep off a defender, left, right. I mean, just watching it, I could, I could feel how tired his legs must be at this <laughs> All these twists and turns, you know, at like in the 60th minute or whatever it was after he's already been playing for an hour. Um, and then to finish it and find that kind of core strength, he's, he's a machine when it comes to that, that kind of thing. And, you know, put him one nil ahead, look good, and then they just folded at the end, two late goals, um, conceded and they end up losing, which means that when Inter played Milan, um, they had a chance if they want to go top of the table. <laughs> but then in the first half, they ended the first half being 2 0 down before coming back winning 4 2. So it was a very exciting kind of roller coaster of events in Italy. And just to, just to go back to the Juventus game, as you said, two late goals and two scorers, Borini, who we forgot about, and Pazzini, who's an old man. So yeah. the, none of these people should have scored at all. But the problem, I mean, firstly, Ronaldo scored his 10th consecutive goal, which is a Juventus record now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's come to Juventus and he has shown that he is better than anyone that they've ever had, even yeah. at 35. It's, it's just the way it is. His goal record is unbelievable. But again, we have to talk about Chiro Immobile because I'm, I'm still shocked by just how good that guy is. A lot of Juventus fans have come out now, and it's funny how you can be joint and top and people want the manager sacked. Sarri is having a bit of a problem, and people are not convinced with this guy. And I don't know if it's his fault or not. I mean, Dybala was on the bench. Maybe that's a problem. Delit should not be playing. He's messing up again. But I, I don't know. Do you guys – Is this? Are they, making, are they just entitled and spoilt at this point? Or is this a big deal? Like, what do you think? I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I just throw, throw my opinion in there. I mean, I think that they were they were leading this table um, and not playing their best football like they've played in the last four or five seasons. And I mean, they've won this league seven years in a row or eight years in a row or something. And, you know, we're predicting for the next 10 years they're going to win this league again. So if, if there's even a question of Juventus not going to be number one at the end of the season, which is the case right now by goal difference, 
then you know Sari is going to be in the hot seat. Regard, I mean, any manager would yeah, be in the hot I, seat. I feel, I feel that's fair. It matches uh, what Bernie was saying about being spoiled. But at the end of the day, like you said, if 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 they won seven in a row, then and Sari comes in and potentially will lose them the eighth, then you know they have every right to complain. And when you look at why they they sacked Allegri, basically he was winning the trophies too, and obviously Champions League guess is a factor, which is why they signed Ronaldo, but. You know, Allegri was winning them the Serie A comfortably every season. The problem is they wanted to change their style of play. They got bored of that robotic, just winning style of football, and they wanted to see something with a bit of flair. Now, unfortunately, Sarri's not doing it because I just don't think he has the players to do it. You know, when you've got, you know, Ramsey's a good player, but you've got Ramsey's, the Federas, Matuidi's, um, Quadrados. You know, the only players with a little bit of flair in that team is potentially Pjanic, Dybala, not even Ronaldo in terms of flair. You got Dybala and Pjanic, and that's it. How are you going to build a team full of flair? It's just not going to work. So, unfortunately, you know, you're back to being um, this robotic team that just gets three points. But I think in the other thing is if flair was what you wanted, like, sorry ball is not necessarily flair. Sorry ball is about passing and passing to dominate the ball. Yes, it looks nice, a bit like Tiki Taka in a sense, where pass, 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 and it's great. But it's not about individual flair, right? It's not, it's not about that. It's like even Hazard on his best day um, for, for Sari was not necessarily doing the Hazard things of giving the ball and let him run, right? This, it, it, that's not really what they're about. And I feel like a lot of people thought that was what they were going to get, and a lot of people are quite disappointed because you're right. Those players are good players but it's it's not to a lot of people tiki taco wasn't even exciting if you know what i mean so i, I think i think it's a bit problematic the expectation you know, guys, i mean i i just want to quickly add that we're also talking about the italian league and you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do what i've done in the past and say anything negative about the italian league but what i will say is that it's a different style of league and so when we're talking about ronaldo scoring a record like for example 10 games in a row he's already done that in every single other league but in the Italian league, apparently, that's a, that's a new record. So this goes to show that it's a different kind of game. It's a very tactical game. And so, you know, the tiki-taka style is, you know, it's unique to Spain. But Italy has its own gritty, um, very tactical, analytic style of its own. And so we shouldn't be quick to discount that factor as well. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, but let's, let's focus a little bit in uh, the end here on, on, on the Inter um, and, and I guess Milan as well. Um, this game was fun. It was a lot of fun. Ibrahimovic, um, you know, laid off a great assist for the first goal of Milan and then they scored their second. But then Inter really came back because, you know, the narrative would have been brilliant about how Inter, you know, every time Juve gives them um, a chance, they never take it. But they came back, you know, in the second half and it was a completely different game from them. Um, Lukaku barely touched the ball in the first, but he was more dominant in the second. And Brozovic with a beautiful volley with his left foot. Um, and it just all clicked for them. Alexis Sanchez, I think, came on or, or maybe he started, but he gave an assist as well. So, Ashley Young, <laughs> Victor Moses gave an assist. So, it's a really weird, you know, compilation of names in this game, but it worked for them. I was so stunned by um, <laughs> this game because, like you said, they were 2-0 down. But really what confused me, and sorry, I got the highlights going here. Really what confused me was Alexis Sanchez I think it was for the first one. I don't remember exactly, like the first Inter comeback goal. Wasn't he offside? Well, was it a pass from an Inter player? I thought Milan passed it back. No, it was a pass from, um, I think, Candreva. No, Vecino or... No, no, no. Vecino scored from Candreva. 
and he puts it into Alexis Sanchez, and he looks miles offside. And I can't believe that VAR didn't catch. I, I, I just don't understand what the point of, of it. Maybe he wasn't offside. I don't know. But he looked like he was miles offside when the ball came through. So I was a little bit upset for AC Milan because, you know, I have a bet with Parrot going that, and Alex that you're going to win this league. But it just, yeah, it just didn't make sense. The reason it looks so obvious is that the last AC Milan defender was running forward and Alexis was running the other way. So it looked relatively that he was in miles of space. But when the ball was released, it was like just. Do you think Inter can keep uh, up the pace, keep stay number one, give Juventus a, a good battle for the title? Honestly, man, it's been so unpredictable in Italy. I have no idea. Yeah, I, or I do think... you think Lazio is going to come? A dark horse in third? No. No, it's one of those two. I hope not, because I don't want Nazi salutes uh, watching those on TV. Um, <laughs> but I, I, will say, I will say this, Rache. Um, as Mona said, it is very, very competitive in, the, in that league. But the, the thing that's really, really interesting is it's as well as Inter Milan are doing, right? You still expect Inter Milan to possibly drop points because they have this, you know, old team put together of, of, of weird names. However... You don't expect Juventus to lose to Hellas Verona, for example. So if Juventus let it go, it won't be Inter take it away. It'll be Juventus let it go. Well, and Juventus seem to be wanting to let Juventus, it go. Juventus lost two of their last five. They're in horrendous form. And the Champions League is coming up. This is not the time to be in this kind of form. Um, you know, it's pretty bad. And, and, and Roche, I just missed your Lazio claim earlier. Um, I did not realize how close they were. Uh, so, you know, it's unfair on them. They are only a point away from both of those with, you know, one less, um, one less loss than Juve. So it is possible, I guess, um, with, with what Immobile is doing. But um, I really hope Inter take it. It would just be nice for Lukaku and Conte and stuff. That, that's who I'm cheering for. It would be nice because Lukaku's never won anything. So for him to finally win something would be, would be quite nice. Um, but for Juventus, all it would take is for... Dybala to step up again because Ronaldo is literally carrying this team by himself and Dybala, he needs one more person. Just one well, more he person. Be on the field. Who? Dybala. <laughs> yeah, he was on the bench last game. It's <laughs> just weird. I don't understand. But yes, if he can step up to the plate or they play him, they win this league. That can be the difference between those two teams. Mohamed, what do you think about Dybala being the GOAT? I mean, the GOAT at his level, yeah, sure. But, you know, he's not, he's not that good. He's not going to carry no money. <laughs> okay, yeah. He's, he's, he's just not going to do it. Anyways, um, but yeah, they, Serie A has been exciting. It's, it's, really worth, um, it's really worth a watch this season with Lazio, Juve, and, and Inter. It's been, it's been great. And I'm looking forward to the Champions League soon as well. Isn't that like in February sometime? The Champions League? Yeah. Yep, yep. I think it's uh, I think it's in like two weeks or something. Let me see. It's on the 18th. Nice. Atleti, Liverpool, Dortmund. Oh, this one. This one was the one that like had the best draw in a long time. You know, Atleti, Liverpool. That's you know, Liverpool could slip there. Dortmund, PSG. Um, anybody could take that. Leipzig, Napoli, Barcelona, Chelsea, Bayern. Um, City, City, Madrid. Did you say that one already? Yeah, Madrid, City. There's. All games are really good. I'm super excited. Mohamed, Mohamed, let's go through the uh, fixtures and then do predictions for each round. Right. Can we do that? Well, you know what? Let's, let's, do, that. let's do it again let's, uh, to round off the show. I think okay, we did it a while back, but I don't remember. Quickly. 
you know what? You guys do it here. Atleti Liverpool. Liverpool. Uh, yeah, I would agree with Bernie over here. Liverpool, uh, no chance they're going to slip up, and I think it's going to be a multi-goal difference. Okay. And Dortmund, PSG. PSG. PSG for me because Dortmund can't keep a clean sheet. They can't keep goals out, even though they score a lot of goals. But I feel like PSG will go through because they have a better defense. Holland will get at least one. Spurs <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Leipzig. <laughs> Upset special uh, Leipzig. Okay. Who's Leipzig playing? Spurs. Spurs. Oh, or, not, <laughs> oh, oh, was that a joke? <laughs> no, no, I actually didn't hear. Um, I'm going to go with Spurs. And a terrible two legs because Jose Mourinho is involved. Okay. No one wants <laughs> to watch these games. Chelsea, Bayern, but no Drogba. Uh, Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich will have too much for them. Lewandowski cannot be stopped. Yeah, Chelsea, I mean, Frank Lampard is just happy to be there. And um, <laughs> he's going home. <laughs> Napoli can upset Barcelona, maybe? No chance. I would uh, love to see that. I would absolutely love to see Messi like, going home early. Summertime's good, summertime's shit. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be the messy show against that team. So, yeah. Okay. Leon do it against Juventus? No chance. <laughs> no chance. Juventus going through. Okay. Uh, I, actually, um, Juventus have been a little uh, weak. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they'll be inspired by the Champions League. They'll be interested in playing their best game. But, uh, yeah. Leon's two best players are injured. That's all you need to know. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Madrid and City to round it off. Pep is a fraud, so I'm going to go Madrid. <laughs> I think, I think uh, uh, just, just, just my two cents, I think Madrid are going to dominate soon. Dominate? Dominate, like as in like three goal difference on aggregate. So Madrid have an outstanding defense. This, Bernie, this pick season. a damn team. Come on, man. Ah, I'm going to go with the bald. I'm going to go with Baldy. Go with Pep. They're, oh, bald, wait, they're bald, bald. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go with the Catalan Baldy. Okay. Going with Pep. All right. Anyways, thanks, guys. Um, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with the next fixtures in the Premier League for winter break. Hopefully, it's not too windy and they do play. Um, and we'll talk to everyone next week.